Hey, Jim, I don't know if you know this, but we're a small podcast. I had started, I started <laughs> noticing that. Yeah. And something that really helps is when people subscribe to us, if they rate, review, subscribe, you know, you've heard it all before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it would really help us if our listeners would go over to youtube.com slash Kim for your life and subscribe to us. Mm-hmm. And to thank our listeners for doing that, we want to offer, if you just enter our giveaway, we're going to give you any merch item that you choose from our store on us as a thank you to one lucky winner. Exactly. So the steps are very simple. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Kim for your life. Mm, yes. And it's also in our show notes. You can just click it. Then take a screenshot, just proving that you subscribe. It's also okay if you've already subscribed in the past. It doesn't have to be a new subscription. Just if you are subscribed, screenshot it, email it to us at Kim for your life at gmail.com with the subject line reading giveaway entry. And then we'll select a winner on March 31st. Okay, so send us your entry before March 31st and maybe you can be the lucky winner and it'll help us out a ton. And you pick any merch item you want. So go ahead and go pick it out and dream about it, you know? Dream, wish, hope you're the lucky number one. (laughs) All right, thanks y'all. I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Bonus edition. <laughs> I was like, well, where's he going with this? So just for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is a little like Q&R style where we get questions or comments or feedback from our listeners and then we give responses to them. Yep. So That's what the Q and the R stand that's for. That's the Q and the R. And, you know, you might think Q&A, but... Let's be honest, I might be a chemist, but I don't have all the answers. So sometimes it's just a little response. Yeah, and sometimes the response is like, that's a great question. And Melissa will be like, I want to do a whole episode on that. Mm -hmm. So keep your eyes peeled. So true. Or your ears peeled. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, but before we get into the questions, I have a really exciting email. I've been out of town. So I got home today and I got this email today. They sent it a few days ago. But when I read this email, I had stars in my eyes. I was so excited. Jam's already seen it. Yep. Um, but I freaked out a little bit in that email. I'm, I, I, I changed it a little bit for identification purposes. Cause I don't know if that person, I didn't have time to check if they were okay. And you'll see the information they share will out their identity. So I didn't want to do that. Right. So I edited it a little to make it a little vague, but we got an email from a real life scientist and I lost it. Okay. <laughs> I know I'm a scientist too, but this is really exciting. The email says, hi, Melissa and Jam. I just listened to your most recent episode on the chemistry behind mosquito attraction to humans. I'm a co-author of this paper. (laughs) (laughs) That was when I stopped reading because I was like, (gasps) oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, So that's episode 163. We talked about sort of the most recent development in our mosquito saga. Um, So Going back to the email, they said, as a longtime listener of your podcast, I was thrilled to hear your recent episode cover our work. I can't believe it. (laughs) I just wanted to send a quick email to say I really enjoyed the episode and you guys covered the study in great detail. Thanks for sharing our research and I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Ah, I I feel so starstruck like a a celebrity emailed us. Yeah. Because I think it is a little bit scary when you're taking someone else's work and summarizing it and sharing it. It's like, 
I hope I did this justice. I want to really honor them and uplift the work that they did. And I really want to give like draw worthwhile conclusions from, you know, what I read in the paper, but just because I interpret it a certain way doesn't always mean that my interpretation is perfect. You know, we try to be really open about the fact that just because I'm the expert, quote unquote, doesn't mean I know everything. And so getting this email from the people who did the work, it was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) this is so exciting. And they already listened to the podcast and then they emailed us after they heard their work, like before. I was really excited. It's super cool. (laughs) What's funny too is that like, I was very surprised by this email too. I first read it whenever Melissa was still out of town. Mm-hmm. My first thought, I just read the first sentence, you know, I listened to the most read episode, especially behind mosquito attraction to humans. I'm a co-author of this paper. And then my, before I read the rest, I thought my first thought was just like, oh man, did we get something wrong? Like, Me too. You know? And I was like, oh no. And, but then I read the rest. I was like, oh, that's so nice and so cool. And also then the, the actual like, wow, I can't believe they are a listener. And they just reached out just to say, yeah. Thanks for covering this and, and going into detail and stuff like that it was mm-hmm. so cool. Um, and then I went and marked it as unread because I knew that Melissa would not want to miss that one. So would freak out. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. I was so excited. Yeah. And I did reach back out to them and said, if there's anything you want to add or if you um, have any corrections or anything, please let us know and we'll share it in the future. But I want to share that with our listeners because uh, that was such a big deal. And I also wanted to give this person a shout out. So thank you so much for emailing us. That was really amazing. Super cool. Okay. We can get into the questions now. Okay. Um, This next one comes from a comment on one of our YouTube shorts from our episode about silicone, which we we talked about BPA and plastic and stuff like that quite a bit in that episode and in that short. And And yeah, if you didn't know, we sometimes take snippets of our episodes and turn them into YouTube shorts. Yep. And people comment on those and they comment on our YouTube videos. And I take things from that as well. On yep. the Q&Rs. So Brian M said, I feel like these things aren't inherently malicious, referring to like BPA and plastic and silicone and whatever else. But it's definitely hard to know exactly what we're subjecting ourselves to. Thanks for the awesome podcast as always. Yeah, I agree 100% with what Brian said. I think it's really hard. I tried to talk about this in the episodes too, but it's just hard to know because it always feels like someone's trying to sell us something. Mm. Either it's a greenwashed version where it's supposed to be better for you and the environment, but we don't really know. Or it's, you know, companies trying to sell their little products. You know, I don't know. It just always feels like even we learned that recycling isn't exactly what we've thought that it was, you know? <laughs> so it always feels like there's a, a little bit of an undertone of someone trying to sell you something. Right. And so it is a really gray area. So it's not inherently malicious. None of these I think are inherently malicious, but it is important to look into them to the best degree that we can and talk about them. So I agreed hundred percent. I definitely think these are all gray areas and it's been really interesting and kind of difficult to explore them. And I think at this point we'll have already put out our episode about PFAS and that's another one that's hard to do. Or wait, no, is it coming out next week? Yeah, this one's already come out. That one's already come out. Okay. Yep. So yeah, that one's also, you know, that one's also kind of hard to, it just can be hard to process all of that and draw good conclusions. So definitely a gray area, not inherently malicious. You just want to be careful. This next question um, is on a topic that I love, <laughs> that we both love a lot, from Abishai, one of our patrons. And the question is, what is burnt coffee? What chemicals give coffee the burnt taste. Mm -hmm. Why does regular espresso get burnt, but not black? Wait, 
gets burnt, but not black coffee being boiled at 100 degrees Celsius or 212 Fahrenheit. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of questions. Abishai has really good questions all the time. So Mm -hmm. I really like this one. So I put them on anyway, but I don't think I'll be able to fully answer them now. I think that especially the espresso thing is going to take a an episode because we haven't even talked about espresso at all in any of our coffees. Yeah, that's true. So, and I think Jam actually would know more. So I do want to put the ball back in your car, car, cart, but in my cart, in your car, <laughs> I'll put the ball back in your car or your cart. <laughs> okay. Your court. All right. Um, but I'll start with this. <laughs> I do think when you have hotter water, it extracts more flavors that are bitter. And so the hotter you brew your coffee, sometimes it can taste a little bit more bitter, like after a certain point. Is that correct? If you like, sometimes if you brew it at boiling, it's hotter. Is that right? Right. How is it hotter? Is it more bitter? (laughs) More bitter. I have some some thoughts on that, but maybe just keep finishing your thing and then I'll... So if there are bitter chemicals in the coffee grounds... If it's hotter, it's able to extract more more quickly, which is part of why cold brew is usually a little bit less bitter. So that's part of what I think the burnt taste is. But I also think the literal beans can be burnt. Like you can roast them in such a way that it's not just giving them the nice Maillard reaction, but it's moving past that into being burnt. Yes. So that was my two thoughts. But I actually wanted Jam to answer some of this and everything you know about espresso or not everything. That would take a long time. But. Yeah. I um, The short version is, and also if you're wondering why she's even asking me at all, it's because I'm a coffee nerd. <laughs> and you have a coffee roasting business. Yes. And I roast coffee and with Melissa's husband, Mason. So he also could speak to this a little bit if he was here. But um, so yeah, the burnt taste in coffee, in my experience, is always... From, I should say, ninety nine percent of the time is from the the beans being too roasted, and then the hot water can just extract that. Yeah, and those so flavors. Yeah, and one of the the coffee guys I like to watch and listen to what he has to say and stuff. He talks about how um, with if you have a coffee that's too dark, like very darky roasted, where it gets basically burnt, you actually could lower your brewing temperature, and that would extract. You were of those kind of burnt that makes notes sense. or whatever. But that if your coffee is not burnt in the first place, you have to you don't have to worry about that almost at all. Um, and he's a huge advocate for boiling point uh, brewing Okay. whenever your coffee is not burnt. Because mm. then you're extracting as much as you can um, and you're not having to worry about trying to leave something behind that you don't want. Because that makes so much sense. You didn't make a mistake in the first place. Yeah. But I will say that... Um, that's that works to a degree, obviously. Like everything, coffee has a exception for mm-hmm. everything. Um, and a lot of espresso is done with a darker bean, or it's called more, sort of more developed. And there's a few reasons for that, and I'm like a lot less um, knowledgeable a with espresso. Darker bean, like it's more roasted, like almost to the burnt, but not quite a dark roast. Yeah, it's it should be a little bit more like if you took a traditional what would get like filter coffee or drip coffee or like mm-hmm. pour over, you would go a little lighter. And if you knew you were going to use a bean for espresso, you would typically want it to be a little bit darker. Okay. Not like burnt, but a little bit darker. And I think there's a few reasons for that. One of them being that so many espresso drinks are going to include some sort of milk, some, mm. sort of, some sort of fat, some sort of sweetness. It's going to balance that out a little bit and it helps to 
punt to come through in the mm-hmm. taste if you've gotten a little bit darker and a little bit more developed. And also sometimes that helps with some sweetness mm-hmm. in the coffee if you don't overdo it. Um, Interesting. But that's a common practice is to have espresso be a little bit darker. But I know places where they're like using insanely burnt coffee for espresso or for everything. And that's not, that's not right. That shouldn't be happening. There's a certain very popular coffee chain that I think everything I've ever gotten from there tastes burnt. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So if it's like, if it's that bad enough where it's bitter and like really burnt tasting, at least my opinion is that that is, shouldn't be the case. Okay, that's, that's good to know. Made a mistake. That was fun that it crossover expertise. Yeah. Crossover question, crossover episode. <laughs> okay, on to the next one. Next one. This one's from Philemon M. Philemon said, is it possible for you to talk about the reason as to why Lantana Camara has that kind of pleasant, is it odor? Mm-hmm. To discuss about the terpenoids that have ability to form sustainable polymers. Okay. So, do you know what Lantana Camera is? Neither did I. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what? Um, I looked it up. It's a flower. And somebody said uh, that the smell, I tried to look up what the smell was. And I think if you look it up, it will look familiar enough to you. But So, I was like, oh, yeah, I think I've seen that. But it, they, the smell is described somewhere between floral and gasoline, I think. Or maybe between lavender and gasoline. Uh-huh. Which some people like the smell of gasoline. I do not. It makes me feel a little nauseous. Yeah, like if like the it. gasoline gets on you and gets in the car. Ugh. Yeah. Um, But so, just with that being said, in general, I think a lot of times plants have smells for two reasons. And one is to ward people off mm-hmm. or people ward predators off, you know, like for example, we talked about when you cut grass, that smell that gets released is to attract the things that are probably hurting the grass, uh, to attract the things that eat the things that are hurting the oh, grass. So right. if something eats the grass and the grass lets off the smell, that's going to attract something that eats the thing that's eating the grass. It's like a defense mechanism. And then the other reason is to attract pollinators. A lot of times you're trying to draw things in that will attract your pollinators or that so that, you know, more of the plant could be made or the fruit of the plant could be made so that then the seeds get scattered around, you know, also, you know, fruit smells good so that people, bears and people will come and eat the berries and then the seeds of the berries would be scattered even uh, either in their excrement or in their trash or whatever. Yeah. So my guess is it's one of those two reasons. We're either trying to get our seeds spread, our fruit made, or they're trying to be defensive. If it's all the time, I'm guessing it's more of the attracting pollinators or, you know, smells good so that its seeds will be spread in some way. That's my guess. I'm not a biologist, but that's my guess. (laughs) Now regarding terpenoids, we very briefly talked, or not briefly, I guess we did talk about terpenoids, not the sustainable polymers, but just that terpenoids exist in the episode that talked about what's the what do Christmas trees and jet fuel have in common. Oh, right. So if you want to go learn a little bit more about terpenoids, check that out. I'm sure they'll come back up in a future episode. I think we also talked about terpenoids in the vanilla episode, maybe. Hmm. They've been around. And some... some uh, Podcast app have it now where if you search a word, it'll come, it'll shows up the transcript of the podcast. 
Which we do have transcripts available, but we're a little behind on that. Yeah. We do, we did talk very briefly about, so we have our, our transcripts, but a lot of them have typos and we might go ahead and just publish them with the typos. And if you notice one, a typo, you can reach out to us and we can change it. Typo meaning that the software that does the transcribing is typoing, not a human being. Yeah. And it's just because it's going to be mishearing something or like something like a specific chemical name that mm-hmm. it's kind of easy for something like that's designed to transcribe typical human speech that might not be like a yeah. really trained on like, what are all these different molecules? You yeah. know, that's the problem that we've been encountering. Um, like Atom sounds a lot like Adam, the person's name. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So that's my quick answer. All right. Interesting. This next one, here's another coffee sort of related one. This is from Nada on Instagram. Why does coffee spoil faster than tea? Okay. So I didn't know if they meant brewed coffee and tea or if they meant coffee and tea on the shelf. Oh, by pre, before it's brewed. Before it's brewed. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm going to go with the dry one. Right. You know, coffee before it's brewed, pre-brewed versus tea that's pre-brewed. Right. I think beans last longer coffee beans that are roasted but aren't ground yet last longer would you agree i i think i thought it was the opposite they last longer than ground up ones i mean oh yes the beans last longer than ground up ones yes how long would you say a roasted bean is good for i think people would say like ideally 2 weeks okay if you stretch it to 3 or 4 it could be fine right but, so we're talking about that not the ground ones cuz once it's right. ground up usually it goes stale pretty like you can buy a bag of ground coffee, but it's going to taste better if it's freshly yeah. ground. Yeah, that's true. And I guess that's kind of hard because the word spoiled makes it sort of seem like it's gone like really bad. Rancid. Yeah, but I think with coffee and maybe tea too, maybe it's like a gradual mm-hmm. decrease of the tastiness. So here's my theory about it is that tea is typically leaves that have been dehydrated. They may be treated in some other ways, but the water is pretty much gone from them. But I would say there's still some water content in coffee, right? Mm-hmm. I think. And so I would guess that that remaining water content is the problem, <laughs> is the thing that makes it go bad. Um, it could be a ton of other reasons, though. I think this would ultimately be a whole episode. But usually if there's less moisture in something, there's not a good medium for molecules to move around or to interact or to break down. And so... That's my guess, is that there's a lot less moisture in tea than coffee. Hmm. Just a guess. Could also be that there's chemicals that more easily react with the air in coffee than in tea. So it could be oxidized, you know, more quickly or who knows. That's But those are some of my guesses. And there's things that are continuing to happen in coffee beans. Like when they're freshly roasted, they're still like releasing CO2 and stuff. There's still things happening, whereas at least like on the user experience when you have like a jar of loose leaf tea, mm-hmm. to me, it seems like <laughs> nothing's happened since I opened <laughs> it last. With like fresh roasted coffee, that'll be like gas build up and you yeah, open you it. Open it's it like, goes, and yeah. it smells good. Yeah. It's like some yeah. things are going on yeah. at least in some way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also think um, this is a good opportunity to talk about with the Q&Rs. I try to do very little research because, you know, we want to dedicate good time to doing research to the episodes, like the long form regular episodes. But 
our time is limited and we actually do this as a hobby. This is not our whole job. And so these are just quick Q and R's like, this is what I think as a chemist off the top of my head. So that's my guess, but I can't say I didn't do any research on it. So I can't say for sure. Chemistry off the cuff as Melissa calls it. Yeah. That was originally from our friend Miriam who doesn't even listen to this podcast. Yep. Wow. How dare she give us such a good idea? I know. And now she'll never know that we took it from her. Uh, this next one. Oh, this is interesting. This is from Audrey M. Why do pizza stones crack if you don't eat them in the oven? Like if you don't heat them while the oven is heating. Preheat. Kind yeah. Of, okay. Yeah. Got it. And uh, some glass will do this too. Although some glass, like certain Pyrex is treated so that this won't happen to it. So again, I haven't done research on this. Another chemistry off the cuff. My guess is if we zoom in and think about the molecules, molecules when they're at room temperature are moving less. All molecules move, like even in this table, there's some vibration, wiggling of the atoms going on or the molecules going on. Yeah, can you see it on the video? (laughs) You can't see it, (laughs) but it's still happening. And as we heat things up, the molecules move more and more and they start to expand, like they'll take up more space, which is, you can imagine this in ice, as it goes to liquid, it doesn't, I guess, expand. It's moving around more. A lot of things do expand when they go from solid to liquid, but ice is kind of an exception. But they move more is probably a good way to think of it. And then eventually, if they go from solid to liquid and then liquid to gas, they're moving a lot more and they're taking up the whole space, you know, all of it. So my guess is that the molecules in this uh, glass or stone or heating up so rapidly that there's a break. And I think mm-hmm. it's actually literally the, my guess is it's the gas because gas, when it, you put more energy in, it expands pretty quickly. And so if you know, it's something porous, like a lot of pizza stones are, then there could be some gas that's in there. And if you heat it up slowly, like an oven preheating, there would, it would be able to escape is my guess. Cause pizza stones are usually pretty porous. But if you heat it up quickly, I feel like they might be trapped and they mm. would expand faster than they could escape and could break. This is just a guess, though. And I, glass isn't as porous. So I'm like, why would glass do that? But I assume it's something similar where there's something in it that's expanding at, at such a rapid rate that the structure is compromised. Mm. Interesting. I never heard this about pizza stones. We have one and it was given to us by some friends they had like used it for a while and then they had gotten been given another one. So they mm-hmm. gave us one. So I never like looked at any instructions cause like mm-hmm. those were long gone. So I have not cared about how I've heated it up Uh-oh. and it's always been fine. Oh. I don't know if it's because they kind of broke it in maybe or something, but that's pretty interesting. Yeah. It so, definitely happens with glass. I don't know about all pizza stones. I, I also was told, I think our friend who gave it to us told me better to preheat it in there partly just because then it's really hot before you put pizza on there. And that makes sense. So the you whole might have point. been preheating it anyway. I think I was anyway, but because I was told to make the pizza better. Like yeah. I didn't even It know. does make the pizza better if it's really hot, is what I've heard too. Yeah. Interesting. I've been accidentally saving my pizza stone. <laughs> oh. That's fun. This next one is from Kaiba. Um, also another good question asker and mm-hmm. statement writer. Mm-hmm. And this is a statement, I think, about the Episode we did on the greenhouse effect. Okay. I was just listening to your green uh, house effect episode, and I think I know why UV light is not the focus. 
So UV light is basically divided into UVA, B, and C, and the ozone layer shields us against UVC. And the thing is that UVC is the one that transfers more heat than the others. It's also the one with more biological damage. This is why the ozone layer is important to help the planet to not get too hot. UVA and B transfer way less energy in the form of heat than UVC, but I also do believe that they contribute to heating up the air. So I liked this because it kind of went along with what we had talked about randomly in that episode where I was like, but why aren't we talking more about UVA and B? Because I think they do contribute. Mm. It just seems like infrared is a much larger contributor and that's why. Um, But it was a good review on UVA, B, and C. And if you want to learn more about those, we talk about it in Why Things Fade in the Sunlight Mm -hmm. and in our ozone episode, which we did a long time ago. Yep, that's right. So um, you can go back and and the sunscreen episode. We talk about all of it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I thought that was a good little tidbit. And then Kyobe also wrote some other funny additions in response to like, the hot dog is a, is a hot dog a sandwich question and also just um, weird food combinations. We talked about that in our um, in our YouTube live, our, our one million download celebration. Uh-huh. And I really liked everything he said, so I just put it all. I wanted <laughs> us to talk about all of it. Okay. <laughs> okay, sounds good. A couple additions too. For me, a sandwich has two separate buns. While hot dogs and tacos are one bun folded. Okay. While on this topic in Brazil, we have two kinds of hot dogs. One made at home and and kids' birthday parties, in which we prepare the sausages usually in thin slices in a tomato sauce, and and another one that the hot dog places sell, which always has sausage, mayo, ketchup, usually cheese, and crisp shredded potatoes. Depending on the region, there's bacon, mashed potatoes, cabbage, and other stuff. And there's the traditional version and a pressed version, which is my favorite. Wow. Doesn't that sound amazing? It does. I want that. I was like, I got to get to Brazil. That sounds so good. Yeah. <laughs> and a strange food combo in poor families in Brazil is to eat spaghetti and beans, usually both as leftovers. I ate a lot of that when I was a kid. Take spaghetti and beans. I hadn't heard of that. But I could, depending on the kind of beans, I could kind of see it. It's yeah. like a protein yes. and a carbohydrate. Totally. It could go well. And beans can sometimes be saucy, like baked beans are kind of yes. saucy. Yes, So I wonder what kind of beans it is. But it's, it is a strange combo, but I could actually kind of see it. Yeah, yeah. When you, you, know? when you put it that way, it makes sense. And it's like, we obviously, you know, have a bunch of different things we put in the sauce. And mm-hmm. so it's like, if you had sort of beans instead of some sort of meat or whatever, it's like, oh yeah, that could probably not be weird. Yeah. So- well, also my dad, speaking about the weird food combos, my dad called me and said that something my mom used to do was she would make ice cream floats with Mountain Dew and put olives in it, which huh. I was like, weird. And then, I don't know if we talked about this or not, but she did do hot Dr. Pepper uh-huh. and put lemon in it. Oh, I've heard of doing hot Dr. Pepper, like mm-hmm. as like when you're sick or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's funny is I just, I'll have to find this video and show it to you. But I just saw this video the other day where it's like this guy had had done like a little comic strip, mm-hmm. but he was like reading it out loud and showing the slides one by one to like a live audience. And it was about this this um, conversation, the hot dog sandwich mm-hmm. taco thing. And um, it was like one guy saying like, you know, um, a hot dog is a sandwich or whatever. And then the guy 
basically the argument the other guy has is like things are allowed to be different and that's why we have different words <laughs> like <laughs> like he was like he's like no you actually you can't be a sandwich because it's because you hold a hot dog differently than a sandwich <laughs> and then he was like um and then somebody else was like well that's that's then that means a taco should definitely should be a uh, hot dog or something like that. <laughs> and then the guy that just comes in is like, no, we have different words for things on purpose. Like he tries <laughs> to basically just shut down the argument. He's like, stop categorizing things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's why we have the word hot dog, the word taco, and the word sandwich. Like they're different. <laughs> and I just, the way that it was like written was just yeah. so funny to me. Like it's like, that really does kind of shut it down, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> the reason I like this conversation, I think I've said it before, is I usually bring it up in the first day of my chemistry classes because it's like, we have different reactions, but they, they fall into similar categories and they have similar features. And if you can recognize some of those similarities while noticing that they're distinct, that's a good observational skill. And it also gets you to think critically and, and talk about and defend your argument. And those are all things that I want people to be able to do in science. And so a lot of times on my very first day of class, I like to do icebreakers and I'll have my students have this conversation and then bring some of those things out. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, things are different, but also what do you think and why? And yeah. a lot of times in OCHEM, especially there's not one right answer mm -hmm. and there's a lot of gray area in science. So I don't care about the answer. I like the conversation. Yeah. It's like the journey, <laughs> you know how they say the journey is as important as the conclusion or yes. as the destination. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I like it too. I like to, and both, I mean, you and I both like arguing and like, figuring out why we think something and then defending it, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's a great exercise in that. It's like, it is. this isn't, there's not high stakes here, mm -hmm. but what's your argument and why? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read the last part because it's for you. <sighs> Specifically, Kaiba wrote this to Jam and Mason, and I think it should be for all coffee lovers. And we've talked about a lot of coffee on this episode. So he said, you should come to Brazil one day and do the coffee route. There's one in Minas Gerais. I hope I said that right. Gerais. Not sure. Sao Paulo and Piranha. I believe that Minas is the best one because nowadays they have the best coffee beans and Minas culinarily is the best of Brazil, which I was like, okay, I'll go there. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, maybe to defend that position, like he's not biased, said that he was from Sao Paulo and Piranha. So, oh. <laughs> so that is good to know if you're planning yeah. a trip to Brazil, that seems like it would be an amazing trip. So maybe one day. That does seem super cool. And I then we could get the hot dogs. Ooh, yes. I would love to do that. I would love to go to Brazil. I've been to just South America once only. It was forever ago and I wasn't mm -hmm. even in a coffee. So I didn't even get the chance to like uh, enjoy coffee where I was and let alone sort of like go hop around and, yeah. and visit different countries and stuff. So it's, I'm long overdue. For Maybe one day when your kids are older and Jam and I married to different people on the same date, not the same year, but we have the same <laughs> wedding anniversary. So we yeah. could take a big you know, a double date trip. That'd be fun. And then you and Mason could do all the coffee stuff and me and your wife could just hang out, you know, we yeah. could probably go cause it'd be pretty. Yeah. And, and the old reward would be dogs. like, yeah, cause that would be, that'd be M's biggest thing. She'd be like, okay, if there's a hot dog at the end of this journey, mm -hmm. then I'm in. She so. loves hot dogs on the street, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. we could totally, that would be a, the perfect vacation yeah. for us. It's crazy. Kaiba didn't even know. That's I what know. he was. He was like, <laughs> yeah. So, so that was fun. That's perfect. And lately we've, we've liked kind of closing out with, if we have any recent reviews that we've received in some format, usually this is like on, you know, a podcast app and reviewing there, which is really helpful. 
like to read those to one, give a shout out to the people who wrote them and just like nice, positive, And, um, we're just really grateful for you guys and, and the encouragement y'all send our way and for listening and being such, um, such fun, such a fun community. And so we're mm-hmm. going to read this one. It's a little bit long, but it's a really good one. This is a great podcast. I have a BS in chemistry and worked as a chemist for several years and now teach high school chemistry. I listen to this podcast on my commute. I listen to several episodes and I'm hooked. As a scientist and teacher, I love that this podcast models what true teaching and learning looks like. Some might think there's too many distractions, chit chat, or might dislike the personification of atoms and molecules. I disagree. (laughs) True learning is not a straight line and should be fun and inviting. I love the duo between an expert chemist and a novice learner. It models the learning process. Helpful to have the novice there because Jam gives Melissa feedback. If he doesn't understand what she said, chances are that a novice listener would, wouldn't have understood it either. So it's nice that he's there to keep her in check, per se. <laughs> I do need to be kept in check. <laughs> Otherwise, she might get carried away about nuances that only chemists care about or understand. The podcast makes it great for everyday listeners. It also helps me have an idea of common questions and misconceptions that my students might have regarding certain topics. It also helps me helps give me great ideas of how to relate topics to real-world phenomena in order for my students to better understand and appreciate chemistry. Using real-world phenomena to explain science is one of the fundamental theories for scientific teaching these days. So you're awesome. Thanks for all the ideas, info, and fun. Yay, chemistry. (laughs) That's from KJG Chemistry. I like that so much. I feel like that person captured everything that we hoped would come across in the podcast. You know, we hope that it would be good for everyday listeners. And I know teachers a lot of times end up using it in the classrooms. And, you know, we like that it's chit chat and casual and inviting. And that is really something that we care about. And of course I want people to see how to relate chemistry to real world stuff. So yeah, that made me really happy. So thank you, KJG chemistry. That was a really nice review. Yeah, that's, that is really, really nice. Thanks for so many kind words. And we like, obviously we know that this podcast isn't perfect. We always, always want to be improving, mm-hmm. but it is so encouraging to hear that like the way we're currently able to pull it off, the the stuff we're currently able to to do and our, the style that we know how to do mm-hmm. is just basically Melissa being Melissa, me being me, <laughs> and us just talking about chemistry. It's so nice to hear that that's helpful. Mm-hmm. And of course it's understandable that might not be for everybody. But right. um, we're very glad, KJG, that this is helpful for you and um, your perspective on its its usability as an educator is really cool. So Yeah, that's so, so, so nice. Yep. Well, I think that's it for this bonus episode. We love this as an opportunity to interact with our listeners. And it feels like we get to have a conversation with y'all instead of it just being one-sided with us. So we really, really appreciate y'all taking the time to write stuff in. And uh, yeah, we're just so happy. So we've got a lot of ideas. We get a lot of questions all the time, but we love hearing from you like Melissa was just saying. So please reach out to us if you have a question or an idea or a thought or a follow-up on an episode or a correction or whatever it is on our website at chemforyourlife.com. That's chem, F-O-R, yourlife.com to share your thoughts and ideas and questions. If you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to cover the costs of making it, you can go to patreon.com slash chemforyourlife or tap the link in our show notes or in the description join our super cool chem community of patrons. 
I love it. Uh, if you're not able to do that, you can still help us by subscribing on our favorite podcast app and rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts or subscribing on YouTube. That also helps us to share chemistry with even more people. This episode of Chemistry for Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. And Jam Robinson is our producer. This episode was made possible by our financial supporters over on Patreon. And seriously, it means so, so, so much that you want to help make chemistry accessible to even more people. So those supporters are Katrina H., Bree M., Avishai B., Brian K., Chris and Clara S., Chelsea B., Derek L., Emerson W., Hunter R., Jacob T., Christina G., Lynn S., Melissa P., Nicole C., Nellie S., Stephen B., Shadow, Suzanne P., Timothy P., and Venus R. Thank you all for everything you do to make Chemistry for Life happen and for writing in questions and chatting with us. We just love it. Yay, chemistry. Yay, chemistry. Mm-hmm.